As promised, let's do a special edition of Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Timberwolves beat Oklahoma City 120-95 to in Friday night's play-in game. And I went into the night thinking I would do a bonus episode if the game was not a total dud. And I think that uh, that is the definition of not a total dud, Timberwolves. Um, very good from the jump. A little bit of a slow start, I guess. They were only up by one after one, but pretty much the entire way felt like they were going to win that game. A mature, playoff-worthy effort throughout, and now they are in the playoffs. They will play Denver starting Sunday. A little bit more on that series in a little bit. A little bit more on the schedule. Chris Finch, Mike Conley. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, listener questions, Denver, all sorts of things coming up here on this special edition. First, some of the basics. This is the first time the Wolves have been in the playoffs in back-to-back season since 2003-2004, and I think that's significant. I think if you go back to the start of the season, obviously... 42 and 40, fighting for your play-in lives is not where you thought this team would be at the end of the year. This was not the ceiling for this team. This was much closer to the floor for this team. If they had been as good as I thought they would be, as good as a lot of people thought they would be, they would have been a top four team in the West based on how the West played out. They would not have been fighting on Friday night to try to get into the playoffs against an inexperienced Oklahoma City team. But the season unfolded how it unfolded, right? Carl Anthony Towns hurt for 52 games, didn't get a lot of traction with Rudy Gobert. Figuring out that big lineup was a hard sell along the way. And it just wound up to be a team that was 42-40, and 40, not a crime, just worse than you thought it was going to be. And they find themselves in this position where if they don't win Friday night, they are going to miss the playoffs and a lot at stake, right? This is a team that, A, um, if they miss the playoffs, give Utah a lottery pick, right? That's that's the first thing. They give Utah a lottery pick as part of that Rudy Gobert trade. Would not have imagined that was on the table when this season started, but there we were with the potential for them giving Utah a lottery pick, which gave them at least a swing to get into that top pick to get you know to win the lottery of all lotteries, and and that would have been you know something for people to sweat, but. They they solve that mystery number one. Two, they get into the postseason. I don't think it's I don't think you can overstate that it's important to get into the playoffs. That getting in for back to back years, even if it was not in the fashion that you imagined it would be, even if it was not the way they would have wanted it to be, is important, is significant, is the start of of establishing something, some sort of consistency as a franchise that you are a playoff team. If you miss this year. All of a sudden, you're kind of back to square one. You're trying to wonder, what are we? Who are we? Even if they had to do the play-in route both of the last two years, they are in the playoffs now two consecutive years for the first time in almost 20 seasons. That, to me, is significant. Also, before we get into the specifics of this game, the schedule is going to be nuts. We learned on Friday night that the Wild will play Dallas in the first round of the playoffs. That determined when... Colorado wins their finale on Friday night. Colorado wins the division. The Wild playing at Dallas to open on on Monday. Wolves open on Sunday in Denver, like I said. But games two through five in these series will all be on the same night. 
Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday. All of those games on the same nights, two through five, meaning games three and four of those series back at Target Center and XL Energy Center, respectively, will be on the same nights. And I believe there is a Twins home series starting next weekend as well. Yes, the Twins playing the Nationals next Friday and Sunday. So that will be quite a sports weekend here in the Twin Cities with two home playoff games for each team plus a Twins home series against the Nationals at Target Field. That will be something to keep track of. And just the fact that both these teams are going to play at least three nights, probably four, assuming both or at least one of them or both makes it to a game five in their series against the Nuggets and against the Stars, respectively. Those will all be on the same nights. Now, they get onto a different track by game six. We'll worry about that later. But this will be quite a time in Minnesota sports, at least for a week or two. Now, how did they get there? Well, I think... One thing we got to give credit to right off the bat is I thought Chris Finch, the head coach, who I've been down on in certain situations this year, did a post a week or two ago about how this thing got off track for the Wolves and took 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 some shots at Chris Finch and what he's done this season. I thought his coaching tonight was really good in three specific areas. Number one, a different starting lineup, spreading out the love a little bit, inserting Rudy Gobert back at center, and then also inserting Nikhil Alexander-Walker into the starting lineup, giving them a little bit more of a bench with Kyle Anderson, Torian Prince going to the bench. I thought that was a smart move. It ended up paying dividends when Alexander-Walker was very good guarding his cousin, Shai uh, Gilgis-Alexander. I thought that was an important part of this game. But a good, you know, a, a questionable, maybe at the start, move to switch up the starting lineup to go with that direction. Kyle Anderson's been very important to this team, but it does not so much matter who starts. It's who finishes, and it gave the Wolves a different look in terms of their rotations, gave them someone at the very jump who could lock down um, SGA, could lock him down in place of the injured Jaden McDaniel. So I thought that was one important move by Chris Finch. Number two, I love that he made that early challenge. I think that was question when that ball got kicked out of bounds. Uh, Ant right away is going, challenge it, challenge it, challenge it. And it's early. It's like seven minutes left in the second quarter. Wolves are like up by 10 at something or something like that at that point. You're like, do they really want to use the challenge now? Could they, might they want this later? What might they want this, you know, in case this game gets close? What if there's a controversial call late in the game that you don't have your challenge anymore because you used it with seven minutes left in the second quarter? But to me, A, it was a confidence play. It said to me that they did not think this was going to be a game that was going to go down to the wire, that they were going to take this possession, take the ball. They knew that it was going to get overturned. It was an obvious overturn, and they knew that if they got the ball, maybe they score, push the lead, push the lead, push the lead, that this could get into blowout territory, which it ended up being. So I liked that about it. Number two, it gave them some confidence from Ant, who wanted them to challenge it. Ant gets that call gets into a rhythm, gets gets to gets to feel good about that play went his way, isn't down on the officiating on that play. So I thought that was a good move by Chris Finch to call timeout, challenge that play. You could question it at the time, like, wow, did, did you really want to use the challenge at that point? I thought it was a good move by him at the moment, and I especially liked it as the game went on. Number three, game was starting to slip a little bit in the third quarter. A 17-point Timberwolves lead had been cut to 10, and... Uh, then Chris Finch didn't mess around. He brought Mike Conley Jr. back into the game out of a timeout, and all of a sudden Conley restores order, gets the lead back up to 
I believe it was 17 at the end of the third quarter. They rolled from there. He didn't take a chance, didn't didn't go to a different option. Could have brought in Jordan McLaughlin at that point. Could have tried something else, rested Conley a little bit more at that point. But he said, you know what, no. This is a point in the game where we need our best point guard, someone to initiate offense. It wasn't working at that point. We need him back in this game. Call timeout, get him back in. They get a lot of good looks. All of a sudden, they're up by 17 going into the fourth. Order is restored, and it was never close the rest of the way. So I thought those were three moments where Chris Finch did a good job at not just kind of managing the game, but managing the moment, understanding the moment, understanding what was important about this game, understanding that you don't want to mess around. You don't want to give Oklahoma City any life. They had not had much life at that point, but they were getting a little bit of life at the end of the third quarter. Put that down right then and there, which they did when they brought Conley back, and that was important to me. Now, those moves don't become good moves unless Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Mike Conley play as well as they did. Alexander-Walker, a monster in this game on defense. I think he's been a revelation in you know in recent games, but even ever since the, the trade, I thought he was basically a throw-in in the D'Angelo Russell trade that also brought Mike Conley over, and that was the pre- that was the principal piece of it. I thought he was essentially a throw-in. I didn't think he was going to be part of the rotation at all. He ends up playing, what was it, 30, 37 minutes in a do-or-die elimination game. Goes 5 for 10 from the field, but that's not the important part. Plays great defense, like I said, on SGA. Um, he scores 12 points himself with 6 assists, 4 rebounds, 3 steals, 2 blocks. He's a plus 18 in the game gets all sorts of love from his teammates when he goes out of the game. I thought he was tremendous, kind of filling that Jaden McDaniels defensive stopper role. They are going to need more of that, but he stepped up big time in this game, became that kind of player, became a guy that you can imagine being in future rotations. I believe he's a restricted free agent. You can imagine him being with this team on a decent-sized contract for years to come if he is going to be that kind of player. Conley, by the way, excellent as always in this game. 14 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, a calming presence, a plus 24 in this game, 14 points. Like I said, only played 30 minutes. That was good that they managed his minutes, but they were able to get the most out of those minutes. He comes in, totally stabilizes the game whenever he does, gets them good looks, gets them good shots. He was just a difference maker in this game. Such a difference on defense from D'Angelo Russell. A difference in how he functions on offense. He doesn't have to take the ball. Doesn't have to take the shots. He only took six shots for his 14 points. Made all of his free throws. I thought that was a huge key in this game. And is in fact one of the reasons why I think they have at least a chance to make it a competitive series against Denver. But we'll get to that here in a little bit as well. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Rudy Gobert in this game, by the way. Uh, finishes with 21 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, plays 33 minutes. Don't know exactly what he was battling through, but he looked he looked good enough in spurts, put up the right numbers, and I thought it was important. He had this play towards the end of the third quarter when he went behind the back with the ball after a turnover, got a, got a bucket out of it. It was ugly. It didn't look pretty. 
But uh, Kyle Anderson giving him some grief after that. Carl Anthony Towns giving him some grief. It felt like at that moment, and maybe before that, whatever the guys were saying, maybe at that moment, it wasn't the moment. But to me, that was the moment where any thought of what happened you know, five days ago with, with him taking a swing at, uh, at Kyle Anderson on the bench with whatever happened, not playing in the first play-in game in L.A., talking about the back spasms, just everything that had happened to feel like that, at least in that moment, was eliminated, that that was forgotten and forgiven in that moment. And I thought that was an important piece of this game as well, that he played well enough to get a double-double, that he had that moment where the teammates were rallying around him. I thought the chemistry with him was good all night, even if it wasn't always pretty all night. And that play, in particular to me, signaled that things were okay, at least for now, with Rudy Gobert and his teammates have barely even talked about Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards at this point. Towns was great. 28 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, thought he was under control, 3 blocks, only 29 minutes, so they still were able to manage his minutes, even with just a basically a 7-man rotation. I know Jordan McLaughlin played 7 minutes, but it was basically a 7-man rotation in a do-or-die game, but they were able to effectively manage his minutes. He came out for a little while with what looked like a hand injury, but came back in. Finished 11 of 16 from the field. So efficient. 28 points. Like I said, the three blocks. Made all of his free throws. He was under control in this game. Stayed out of foul trouble by and large. Only two fouls in the whole game. I thought that was one of his more mature games. And to see Anthony Edwards come back after that brutal game against the Lakers where he was just not good at all. To see him put up 19 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. Was flirting, trending with a triple-double at halftime, but didn't get the assist going there. Did get a double-double. I thought Ant was really good. He was under control. Wasn't really forcing things for the most part. Took a couple ill-advised shots in the second half, but by and large... I thought that was a great rebound game for Anthony Edwards after that dud against the Lakers, and that's going to be more of the ant they need in the postseason. Not so much all the way there yet. I don't think that was a takeover game for him. I still think he's lacking a little bit of the explosiveness ever since he's come back from that ankle injury, ever since he's come back from that illness, but I think that was a good bounce-back game for Anthony Edwards, and it was important for them to get that from him. Now, Let's get to some listener questions pretty soon here. Let's play the sounder right now. Time to check my social media. Yeah. To see who loves me online. Hashtag blessed life. Now, it's kind of funny. Before we get to social media, I was uh, talking to a, a daily delivery avid listener as I was uh, waiting to leave the game tonight. It was, it was kind of nice to meet someone uh, someone in person, in real life, talked about what he likes about the show, what he doesn't like. I was telling him I was going to record a special edition when I got home. He was enthused about that. So that was kind of fun to interact with listeners in real life. But let's get to some of these social media questions, social media thoughts that I asked for. Joe says, I've been down on Cat for multiple years running, having been disappointed by his lackluster performances and all the few Timberwolves playoff contentions I got to see. Tonight, though, I felt this. Glad to see Town showed up. My Grinch playoff heart grew three sizes larger tonight. Yeah, I think that was a, that was a that's a good point. Kind of what I was talking about, Cat, just a little while ago, um, that he played he played big tonight. He was big in this game. That was not uh, that was not a small performance by him at all. And I thought that was important, obviously, for him to do that, not only for the win, but for him personally as well. Luke, Luke Meyer says, glad to see Cat take charge. Some concerned Ant hasn't taken charge as much as he can, maybe yielding some of that to Towns. Also good to see Slow-Mo and Gobert connecting on lobs. Feel like the schism 
parentheses, thanks Brad Childress, is water under the bridge. Yeah, I felt the same way. felt like the chemistry between those two was good tonight. felt like the chemistry with anybody and Gobert was good tonight. Kyle Anderson was tremendous, as always, with his all-around game. 32 minutes off the bench, 11 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, a plus 25 in this game. They just always seem to thrive when he is on the court. They seem to find the right mix, the right rotations for the most part, and that was keeping him in the game as well. Let's run through a few more. Um, Nick says Ant was way more engaged offensively once he felt the shot was shooting from three. He was a force to be reckoned with. Lockdown defense, smart shot blocking, something I rarely have ever associated with the Wolves, was on full display tonight. Few dumb fouls. Yeah, and I think that goes with the refereeing too. I thought the officiating was by and large very good in this game. They got a little bit of a whistle going for SGA in the third quarter, but by and large they let them play. I didn't think there was a lot of egregious calls either way. They, by and large, let them determine this game on the court, and that was pretty important to me. Dear Minnesota Sports says, Love how calm Cat has been since he returned from his injury. He was the obvious MVP tonight, but in reality, it was it was nah. Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Yeah, I agree with that. I think those two were both tremendous. A lot of MVPs on the court tonight, though. I thought Conley was an MVP. I thought Kyle Anderson was an MVP. I thought a lot of guys could have staked the claim to that. Um, Stephen Baker says, when everyone else does the job that best suits the team, they can beat anybody. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good point. They can do that when they when everybody accepts their role, does their job. A lot of guys did their jobs tonight. I thought that was a good point, that, uh, that this was not a game dominated by one star player or one star performance. It was a lot of accumulated performances adding up to a blowout win in a must-win game. And finally, at Muggsy, 88 Muggsy 88, we're saying don't bet on anything this team could, couldn't, should, shouldn't do. And let's use that as the foray into my final thoughts on the Denver series. This is a Denver series that the Wolves will be significant underdogs, betting underdogs. Denver minus 600 in this series. It's an implied odds of about 86% that Denver will win this series. That's pretty significant underdog for the Wolves. And for good reason, Denver's got Nikola Jokic. They've been doing this for a long time. They've got a lot of systems down. They've been playing. They've been winning. They understand how to win these games. The Wolves have been so inconsistent this year. When you think they're going to win, they lose. When you think they might lose, they win. When you Even in games, sometimes it switches. Do they have enough to compete with Denver and maybe just maybe win this series? I think those are two different questions. I do think... They can compete in this series. I think if you look at the Wolves, their regular season record of 25 and 22 against teams that were 500 or better tells you that they play up a lot of times to the competition. Where they have struggles is when they have lapses in in concentration is when they play down to their competition. They will not have that problem against Denver. Denver is a very good team. They will have their full attention for this entire series, however long it goes. And I think they can compete in that regard. Now, where it gets tricky is... Can you play in the playoffs with a seven-man rotation, which is essentially what they used tonight? Jordan McLaughlin played seven minutes, but it was clear that they did not trust him. They used a lot of Kyle Anderson, used a lot of um, used a lot of Nikhil Alexander-Walker bringing up the ball sometimes, used some, some ant lineups with no point guard, things like that. There was a lot of moments where they did not have a true point guard on the court. Maybe that changes against Denver. Maybe they feel like they had to do that against Oklahoma City because of the way the defense stacked up. I don't know. What I do know is this. They they basically played seven guys. They didn't trust Jalen Noel in this game. He didn't play at all. They they basically cut this down really tight to a Tom Thibodeau-esque lineup. Now, nobody played ridiculous minutes in this game, which was good, but nobody really got into foul trouble except for uh, 
except for Torian Prince had five, but that was you know kind of secondary. He was a, a bench player in this game. Ant was the only one that, that hit 39. You know, Nah hit 37. Everybody else was 33 or less, so they managed the minutes pretty well for what they had. They've got enough versatility, but if anybody gets in foul trouble, if anybody gets hurt, if anybody is ineffective, a seven-man rotation blows up, and in a seven-game series, is that sustainable? You're going to have to log some heavy minutes at some point. That, to me, is a big question. Can they sustain that with the injuries to um, you know, Naz Reed and to Jaden McDaniels? Those guys would certainly be part of a nine-man rotation probably right now if they were healthy and available for this series. So that, to me, is the biggest question. Can they have enough depth? Can they have enough quality in the Denver series? Can they have enough consistency with the players they had? Because what they showed tonight is when they lock in, when things go their way, when they are doing the things they are supposed to do, they can compete with anybody. But there have been so many times this year where they've not done that, where they've been lapses. We even saw that in the Lakers game where they could have you know, had a few extra days of rest if they closed that game out. We've seen it too many times to trust them fully. I do think they can make this a series. I think they can extend this to at least six. If they do that, they've got a chance. I would not, though, give them a a realistic chance to win this series. But that's why they play the games. I didn't think they were going to have a great showing tonight. And what happens? They win by 25, and now they're in the playoffs for real. I'm sure I'll talk about this game and more on Monday with Patrick Royce. He can have to divvy up some shows next week. Might be some bonus episodes with so much stuff going on. Wild and Wolves playing playoffs on the same nights next week. We will get to that. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Until then, I'm Michael Rand. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Back at it again on Monday.